What's up, gentlemen? Before we begin, a friendly reminder that this podcast is not associated with any church, school, or calling body, and nothing we say here is meant to be perceived as the official doctrine, teaching, or theology of any church, school, or calling body. We're a bunch of dudes who love Jesus. We love talking about Jesus, and this is where we air out our thoughts, so don't take it as much more than that. I hope that this is edifying for you. Let's get started with the show. All right, fellas, I'm really excited to introduce today's guest, Mr. Mike Yarbrough. He's Oh boy, he does the Wolf and Iron podcast, which is one of my weekly listens. I really do enjoy it, and I actually listen to it. I wouldn't advertise it to you if I wasn't listening to it myself. He's also got a book coming out, and he's got some other cool businesses that he's doing. I can't wait to to let him talk about that with you. He'll be on in just a second. Before we get him on here, make sure you're checking out the Gird Up website. On the Gird Up website, you can find all the information you need to keep up with us here at Gird Up. Uh, we're adding more and more resources all the time. I know it's a slow process, but we want to make sure we give you good quality content. Um, the other thing you can do there is support the podcast either by buying T-shirts and stickers and things, which the T-shirts are awesome. I love them. Uh, but we're running out of adult sizes because you guys love them too. Um, so if you're going to get a T-shirt, you better order them today. Um, and then you can also support the podcast by either donating on Patreon, reaching out to me directly, or you can make a $5 cup of coffee donation right there on the website. If you make that $5 donation, which it's cheap, man. It's just the cost of a cup of coffee every day. Um, anyway, if you make that donation, I'll make sure I shout you out on the podcast as well. Thank you to those of you who have already done so. Thank you also to those of you who keep us in your prayers every day, man, especially the bros, like the, the guys who do the broadcast. They're all studying for ministry, and it's a blessing to have them here. It's a blessing for them to be involved in the work of the church already as students. Um, and, man, it's been so encouraging for me to be around young men who are just on fire for Jesus. So I thank God for putting those young men in my life. Um, and I simply ask you to keep praying for me and praying for the dudes that are on the show, uh, both the students and, and the men that, we, that we're asking to mentor us, such as Mike, who's going to be on the show today. Keep us all in your prayers. Help us uh, pray that we speak the truth clearly um, and boldly and that the world is receptive to our message and, and we might all um, meet each other one day in heaven. Um, thank you again to anybody who's donated. You are a blessing. The podcast is finally paying for itself, and that's all because of you guys. So thank you. God bless you. Let's keep doing this work together. Um, the other thing I want to talk about before we get going is coming up soon here, we're planning a collegiate men's retreat. Um, it makes me a little nervous to talk about it like that because we haven't gotten all the details figured out yet, but we're going to make it happen. Um, but we're going to cap the attendance at probably 30, maybe 50, but probably 30. So when we've got the details finalized and we're ready to put the invites out to you guys, you want to make sure you're paying attention. So keep listening to the show. Stay up to date with social media and stuff um, so that you know when uh, the, those spots are available and you can go get after them. And we can't wait to meet you guys and spend some time with you. That's all I got. So let's say a quick prayer, and then we're going to start the show. Heavenly Father, let the words of our mouths and meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Guide our words and our reflections today on masculinity and manhood. Um, play, and we also pray that you bless both the Gird Up Ministries here and the ministry that Mike is doing with his podcast and, and the work that he does um, in the men's community. Lord, we thank you for bringing men together uh, under your name to declare your truth. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's do it, fellas. After the intro, you'll meet Mike Yarborough of Wolf and Iron. Here we go. You are listening to the Gird Up Podcast. This is the place where young men come to learn what it means to be a man after God's own heart. To gird up is an ancient way of preparing oneself for hard work or a battle ahead, and our work is to reclaim masculinity in the modern world and live out our calling as men of God. Here you will find a community of believers working hard to be the men that God created them to be. So roll up your sleeves, gentlemen, and gird up. It's time to get to work. All right, our guest today is Mike Yarborough from, oh man, from Wolf and Iron, Rustic in Maine, and you got a new book coming out, so all kinds of exciting stuff going on. What's up? Hey, Charlie. Glad to be here, man. Uh, yeah, a lot of cool stuff happening. Uh, keep myself busy. That's sort of the name of the game, I guess, these days, <laughs> so a lot of things going on. Uh, why don't you just tell us a little bit about all the various things that you do, because you got, like you said, you got all kinds of irons in the fire, so just give yeah. us a little 
synapse of here of what uh, or snapshot, I guess, of, of what you got going on. Yeah. So I'm a, um, uh, I live with my wife and kids and uh, my kids, my boys are all kind of grown up now, but we live in Charlotte, North Carolina, originally from Tennessee. And um, I'm a, I'm a Christian, uh, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a father, husband, um, author. I do a lot of um, uh, various things that I have, I have various interests that I'm, that I'm involved in. The big projects that we have going on is we have a business called Rustic and Main. Uh, we make wedding rings actually out of historic woods and other cool materials. So people will actually send in stuff for us to make like, you know, wood from grandpa's barn or something that's really meaningful to them. And uh, we're always trying to tell a story with the things that we create. And so Rustic in Maine has been around for about five years. And uh, my wife and I began that in our garage and then just kind of grew from there. And now we've got um, several, several people that work with us and we, uh, we're, we're a full-fledged business. The other project that I do is called Wolf and Iron. And that's probably what we'll, we'll touch on a little bit more today because we're talking about the book. But uh, Wolf and Iron began a little bit before Rustic in Maine. And um, with Wolf, it's, uh, it's really a, uh, a mission-based project. Uh, the idea is that um, uh, I'm helping men to become better men. I'm trying to help fill, fill in the gap um, that, that so many of us, you know, th that exists in our lives because of fatherlessness, because we're not seeing men being men, because we're not seeing uh, men stepping up and leading. We're seeing a lot of, well, we'll kind of get into this, but a lot of kind of the shadows of, of what manhood used to be. And uh, and a lot of caricatures and things of that nature. But anyhow, so Wolf and Iron began years ago, really just as a blog, and um, that eventually became a podcast. I wrote uh, a book recently, uh, but the book actually began about six years ago. And um, so anyhow, it keeps me busy. We also do some um, beard oil sales and T-shirts and that kind of stuff uh, uh, with Wolf and Iron. So uh, yeah, like you said, a lot of things going on, and um, I love anything entrepreneurial, anything that's um, philosophical we're kind of talking about you know the deeper things in life that's usually where i'm at and where i want to focus and uh and so i'm sure we'll get into some of that today yeah well just going back the t-shirts you make are absolutely awesome i love the i love the <laughs> style of those i don't know how to describe them they almost got like that like world war ii sailor tattoo vibe to them if that, i don't yeah. know if that's the the term or not but i i they're super cool i really appreciate those yeah, thanks, man. That's that's uh that is part of the the style that we try to nail down, and we, uh, me in particular, but you know this comes across in all the businesses that we do. Uh, I'm a I'm a history buff, so I love history. I love kind of doing things that ground us in uh, meaningful, you know, uh, meaning basically in in general, but in stories and kind of see how we connect to the larger story that's at play here. And um and so I think that's that always kind of comes across in what we're doing. Yeah, well, and, and I think that so I just want to talk about rustic and main a little bit because I, I just, I, it's such a cool thing you got going on there, and, and what you're talking about is being a history buff and and uh, like appreciating those things, and that kind of comes through then in the rings um, that you're yeah. making. How did that start? Like, how do you how do you get into something like that? So I was um, so I grew up in the country, and I have always kind of tinkered with things. I kind of had to make make stuff and you know build things. I had a lot of free time. And uh, when I got to be an adult, I became a software developer. So I spent a lot of time basically creating virtual stuff, still creating, but so it was virtual things. And um, in order to keep myself just entertained, I had some hobbies, woodworking and things like that. And I was making bows as in bows and arrows and um, just working with different woods and kind of learning a lot about that, that, that side of things. Well, I was doing a lot of typing with Wolf and Iron. And, uh, and, and my day job as a developer, as you can imagine. And I started to get like carpal tunnel feelings in my hands and my, my typical gold ring started to feel sort of cold and heavy. So I stopped wearing it for about six, maybe eight months. And, um, I was, one day I was just like, I need, I need to do, so I need to wear something. What could I use? And I thought, well, I could just, maybe I could shape a ring out of wood and, uh, fast forward a little bit. Um, uh, the, the idea became, became if I were to create rings out of wood and sell them, how would I do that? And I thought, well, I'd want to use woods that told a story. Like that's what I was really interested in. What was the history behind certain woods? And would that even be possible to do? And so we use woods from, uh, you know, old battleship teak from the USS North Carolina or the USS New Jersey. We've got a lot of old rifle stocks from World War II era, uh, lots of whiskey brands and things like that as well. And, uh, and we use cloth. You know, we have some World War I uniform material that we'll put in the rings and 
coffee grounds. I mean, we do all kinds of crazy stuff, but all of this came about as just this idea of like, how can we tell a story with a ring? And it's something that's really never been done to my knowledge. It's always, it's, you know, the ring is always about the aesthetic. Does it, does it look good? Does it match my wife's ring? You know, that kind of stuff. And for guys, we really love the idea of connecting with history and, and being able to, when someone asks about your ring, because it looks different, you get a chance to kind of share that story and a little bit about yourself. I think that's really good. Oh yeah. And, and I mean, arguably, maybe not even arguably, it's the most personal thing you're ever going to wear, right? Um, you might as well tell a story while you're, while you're doing it. Um, where yeah. do you guys get the materials? So you're talking about like battleship um, decking and, and yeah. like stocks from World War II and all, do you, is that stuff people send you or do you like, where do you get all the stuff that you make the rings from? So the cool thing is because we're doing things on a, a kind of a small scale, I mean, we're making a ring and we're pretty, um, we're able to be pretty conservative with the materials that we use. We don't need a whole lot of, of things in order to make quite a bit of, uh, you know, product. And so we actually reached out to the battleships. We just go to them and say, Hey guys, this is what we do. You know, do you have any, any original wood that we could buy from you? A lot of the battleships are under restoration. They don't all have, they're not all like, um, as uh, eager to kind of just you know share wood or sell wood or however that works they've got different requirements based upon the state that they're in or the condition of the, the ship and various things but sometimes you get lucky and so that's what we've done we're trying to form more relationships with different ones um as well the uh as far as the rifle stocks you got to know what you're looking for um there's a lot of things for sale out there uh if, if you're persistent you can find people who basically go around and collect this stuff you know, you would see these at like gun shows and stuff, but there are people who just go around and they, they collect, they search, they search out these old antiques. And, um, we try to find the ones that really can't be restored. They're kind of not usable for anything else. Cause we don't want to destroy history. And, um, you know, and we, and we just procure those things from trusted sources. The, um, I'm trying not to give away all the, <laughs> all the goods here, but the, <laughs> but that's pretty much it. It's just, you get an idea and you you just start asking around and just, you know, call and, and try to find out, you know, where can we get these things from? And then other woods like whiskey barrels and stuff, um, you know, those are usually pretty, some of them are a lot harder to get. Uh, but you know, once again, you just look around, try to find the deal and, uh, and snag them when you can. Yeah. That's awesome. What's your favorite ring that you've done or what are maybe a couple of your favorite rings that you've done? That's a good question. Um, so I'm, I'm actually wearing one right now. It's pretty cool. So the inside of the ring, that part that touches your finger, is made out of a um, uh, M1 Garand, World War II M1 Garand rifle stock. The outside actually has, um, I think it's Jack Daniels whiskey barrel, but it's, it's weathered. So what we call that is we basically put our, our wood through an ebonizing process. So it takes it from that natural oak to a, a really, really dark black color. So I'm trying to give you guys the visuals on this. So we've got a dark brown on the inside, dark black on the outside. The center channel is actually carved out and made, and we filled it with um, kind of this cool mix of black rifle coffee grounds and um, brass filings from a rifle cartridge. Oh. So it's kind of like a speckled coffee kind of thing. And then we've got brass on both sides of that as well, kind of as inlays. And so it kind of frames it out. And it's a really cool, masculine, dark-looking ring, but it's got a cool story to it because it's like, it's all about military. It's all about, you know, the stuff that guys like. So um, that's that's a fun one. But we've got so many. There have been a lot of um, rings that our customers have requested, which really just are, are sometimes heartbreaking because of the materials that they're using. You know, they may want to send in some cloth that's from uh, a fallen soldier, whether it's a son or a husband or a husband-to-be. Uh, we've had people send in stuff from, you know, grandparents. We made a ring one time. Actually, it was pretty it turned out really really awesome you never really know how these are going to look but it turned out beautiful it was actually made out of i think church pews from the pews where the grandfather uh, uh preached uh, a ribbon from grandma's bible and then um there are a couple of uh, i think gold from like grandpa's original wedding ring or something along those lines and uh, and a few or more elements like that and you just think that person's getting that ring and, and it looks unlike anything else that you're going to find out there so when someone asks them about it, they get a chance to tell how important their grandparents were to them and, you know, the faith and, and all that kind of stuff. I think that's, to me, those are the best stories because they just sort of, they just sort of pop up and we, and we hear about them and we share those with the rest of the team and, you know, everybody gets gooey feelings and stuff. And we're just so, <laughs> so appreciative to do what we do. Cause it's, 
it's that experience of just um, really being able to connect with other people's stories. And uh, that's what we love. Very cool. Very cool. Okay. So your um, Wolf and Iron project and the book and everything, um, I'm curious as to how you got into this realm to begin with. Like what, what makes, what made you say, all right, I'm going to start making content for men. So this was, if you guys can imagine, um, I guess it was actually about eight and a half years ago, um, maybe nine years ago when I really started to have this impulse, um, uh, to do something to help men be better men. And so I'm, uh, even if we round it off and say 10 years ago, I'm 43 now. So I'm like, you know, 33, 34, you know, maybe 35 is once things finally got kicked off. This was sort of something that, that developed over time. And the reason I say for you guys to imagine this is because what was going on 10 years ago, just try to think about the world 10 years ago versus the world today and where we are. This is something I've been thinking a lot about, um, as I've been wrapping this book up when I, uh, I was raised without a, a permanent father figure. I had some uh, good men in my life, notably my grandfather on my mom's side, um, but I didn't have a permanent father figure. In fact, my own dad was an alcoholic and uh, ended up dying of alcoholism uh, about about four years ago now. And uh, so he had a kind of short life and, and a pretty sad, a pretty sad life, even though he was a, a fun guy and a funny guy, and he had a lot of good qualities, as so many people do that that struggle with that disease. And uh, uh, and if you call it a disease, whatever, you know, I don't want to rabbit trail off of that. But anyhow, the um, growing up, I realized that I, I, I was drawn to, to masculine things, drawn to manly things. And I wanted to learn more about being a man. And I had guys come alongside me to kind of teach me what it meant to be a man, all these, you know, different uh, seasons in my life. And sometimes it was in the military. Sometimes it was, uh, you know, when I was just becoming a new dad and a husband and all that kind of stuff. Well, I got to a place where I was uh, in my early thirties. And I thought this is really important. What I've, what I've experienced, most guys don't get a chance to experience. And yet fatherhood is just, or fatherlessness is just rampant out there. And there's this vacuum that we're seeing, this is 10, you know, eight, nine, 10 years ago, we're seeing this vacuum of men are needing to be coached into what it means to be a man. But at the same time, the examples aren't there for what that looks like and for how to live that out, especially in, in the right way, in the masculine healthy masculinity, Christian masculinity, those kinds of things. At the time, I think um, art of manliness was kind of a big deal, still a big deal, I guess. But the uh, that was kind of like the the show in town, probably the only show in town for guys to find some content. They had been around for four or five years when I decided to launch Wolf and Iron. And then um, uh, I, I really just was kind of on this journey myself. And I thought, I'll just share part of my journey as a, a still a young dad uh, a young man trying to figure out what it means to be a man, but I've learned some things that I think are important and I need to need to get this out there. And so that's kind of where that impulse or that impetus came from. And so um, I began the book about a year and a half after I began Wolf and Iron. And, uh, and then a lot of things have happened since then where, you know, we've started another business. I wrote a different book in between, um, you know, lots of, lots of life changes, but that's kind of where that, that began. And, and like a lot of guys, probably like yourself, like a lot of guys that I talk to that are doing podcasts now, it's this sense of like, somebody's got to speak up on this. Somebody's got to be a voice out here. It can't just be um, us against the the masses of, in media and social media and the things that we're seeing now where, you know, makes us feel like we're in the minority. We've got to be a voice out there for the other guys who need to hear it. And, and, um, and I think that's, I think that's a high calling. Uh, if a man is willing to take that up, I think it's very, very good. Yeah. Um, when say again, when you start something like this and then choose to continue it, cause that is a, <laughs> it's also yeah. a continuous process of choosing to continue <laughs> to do it. Yeah. Um, are you may like when you started, it sounds like you almost wanted to see more of that in yourself, uh, which is very sure. much where I started too. Um, but what, what, uh, trends maybe in masculinity are you, um, calling out, uh, that you want to see change or what, what is it that you're seeing in the men around you, um, that says, okay, this is something we need. So uh, once again, if you can imagine 10 years ago, um, you know, Facebook is, is fairly, seems like a neutral kind of thing. Instagram, these social media platforms, Twitter, they're not really pushing an agenda so much. They, they may have their own, you know, they're probably donating to 
uh, things that we don't, they don't necessarily correspond to our values. But for the most part, the platforms themselves are, are still pretty early on. They're pretty much open and you can kind of post what you want. And you can kind of grow there. <clears throat> what I've seen in the last just two or three years is that um, it's undeniable now. Uh, the major players of everything from Disney to, um, I mean, those, that's a big one for the media, pretty much most of the media outlets, uh, most of the social media um, platforms, the big ones anyhow, and obviously the universities and so on and so forth. Uh, we are up against it right now in terms of these progressive ideals. And to kind of answer your question more directly, when I first started this, it was helping men have some examples of what it means to be a man and some and some kind of take themselves through some thoughts about who am I as a man and what does that mean to me and that kind of stuff. Now we're actually having to teach males that they are actually fundamentally different. We're having to, in some ways, convince them. You, you're born a male. You're fundamentally different than a female. And, and that's, that actually matters for the rest of your life and how you decide to do things. So the, what we're talking about um, is very... It's changed a lot. The fundamentals, the basics of instead of it being I'm a man drawn to masculinity, that's still there. Obviously, you can't take that away. But there's also another step which we're having to address, which is if you're a male, you're designed to be masculine. You're going to feel better, healthier, more like yourself. You're going to function better in society when you lean towards masculinity instead of just thinking that you're just some person that is indescript of gender. And so those are the kind of conversations that we're having now. And it's kind of odd because I thought this wouldn't happen for another 15 or maybe 20 years. Um, but, but it's happened, you know, so much more quickly. And, uh, and the other thing that I'm seeing around, and this is a good thing is that more guys, you know, we've got the Navy SEALs like Jocko and, 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 uh, guys like that, but we've got a lot of guys that are stepping up with their own podcasts and that are, that are making big movements. Ryan Mickler with order of man, they've got big movements to help men, you know, uh, kind of reclaim masculinity and keep that, uh, keep that going. And as, and we're really fighting against something. The enemy has become far more obvious these days. The lines are being more clearly drawn. And I think that's actually a good thing for us. Um, whereas it was kind of happening behind the scenes. Now it's happening more out front, uh, which is good. Well, and I think that's a, that's a truth you see kind of across anytime there's a movement such as the one that we're seeing in the, in the popular media is that, um, there's always pushback. Right. And, and yep. sometimes when, I mean, when it's a good movement where like things are getting better and healthier and people are growing stronger, there's always a pushback of, you know, like you look at the, the, the way the sixties unfolded after you've got, and you can argue about whether or not the greatest generation was actually as masculine as, as they are portrayed nowadays, but you know, you got the feminine masculinity of the sixties in response yeah. to the fifties and that kind of stuff. Yep. Um, but I think, I think when you, I, society is almost kind of like to tighten the screws on masculinity. And what the result has been is a whole lot of men who feel very strongly about being men and, and helping masculinity to, to live on, if you will, um, then making their voices heard because they're just tired of, uh, tired of being told that it's not okay to be a man. Um, and I, I think, in a lot of ways, it's been a blessing because you're not allowed to be lukewarm anymore. You can't be exactly. like, meh, like, <laughs> yeah, it, it is what it is. You have to, you, you're forced to be on one side or the other. And it, a lot of times it's kind of a blessing because then you can actually go out and engage people. Um, I think I want to know, hmm, like if there was, sorry, I'm losing my train of thought here. That's all right. The, We're in deep waters. As, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I think on a front end, you were talking about uh, you know art of manliness and different. Uh, well, there really wasn't a whole lot of other anything sure. else beyond that. That's that's where I got kind of started here too. I remember as a sophomore in college, literally googling like, "What does it mean to be a man?" And I always tell people like, I had the the like best possible upbringing as a, as a young man, especially as a young man of God. Like just surrounded because we lived at a parsonage, yeah. just surrounded by men who loved me, who wanted me to grow, who taught me. And like, there is no, I literally had a crowd of men actively like involved in my life and helping me learn what it means to be a man. And I got to college and I still ended up Googling, you know, yeah. what does it mean to be a man? Well, and 
Yeah, I was going to, if you don't mind, I'll jump in on that because I Go think ahead. this is this is where a lot of guys kind of feel like, oh, well, I should just know, or I had a good upbringing. I should just know what it means to be a man. Well, here's what happens. You get taught some things when you're a kid. You get shown some examples, but a lot of those examples are in, you know, your hard work, um, you're raising a family, you're, uh, you know, or maybe uh, from grandparents or, or guys who are, you know, well off. And, and not necessarily financially well off, but they're, they're in their years and they've, they've done some things and they've got, you know, whatever you're, this is weird season of life where you're not really able, you don't have a family yet. Maybe, uh, you're not really in a career where you're, you know, uh, a leader. So there's a strange season where we, we have to ask ourselves a question of like, okay, in this, um, in this time frame of, you know, between basically getting out on my own and I'm, you know, 10 years into marriage and I've got kids and all that kind of stuff. How do I live out manliness? What does that look like? Because it's kind of an odd, it's an odd season for us because we're kind of a little bit listless. And then as we become fathers and stuff, um, we uh, we still have those questions because it's now how do I be a man in this society? I'll give you an example. I was raised in the country out in uh, in the Hatchie, uh, little town of Hatchie, um, little town of Mercer uh, in Tennessee. Some people, most people aren't going to be familiar with that, but just imagine country setting. Um, and raised by my grandfather, uh, on some acreage, uh, and my, my grandmother as well, but taught really by my grandfather about what it means to be a man. Well, when I had my kids, we're in the suburbs of Charlotte and I'm like, nothing translates. There's not like wood to split. You have to literally buy wood. If you want to like, you know, split for your fire, you have to buy gravel to put into places. You have to buy plants, you know, to make a garden, you, you know, like everything is just harder and different and it doesn't naturally translate into how I was taught and into today. So I think every generation still has to ask that question, wherever you are in life, how do I be a man today? How do I take the values that I know are there and really apply those? And, um, and then even we're always checking to see, like, is it still relevant? Like, are the things that I was taught and shown, are those like timeless principles or is that just stuff that kind of existed, you know, at that, at that point in time for that generation, you know? So, I mean, those are all questions and we don't think about that as kids. We think about it as we kind of move through life. Yeah. And, and masculinity and manhood is also, also something that absolutely has to be learned. Like it's not, you're not going to leave a kid, you know, in a world of women or, you know, in, in the wilderness or wherever you're going to leave him without any influence of older men. Yeah. And he's going to turn out to be like a real man. Um, and, and that's, that's a concept I think we've lost is this idea that um, men have to, boys have to be taught to be men. Exactly. And um, like you could have, that's the other piece of this is even if you had the best dad in the world, he's still flawed. Like even if you're surrounded by awesome men as a kid, they also are still flawed. And so what becomes an archetype in our minds as children of what manhood is, is a flawed archetype yeah. that we have. Like the only way to get past that and get out of that is to continue to be surrounded by men and not just like having men close, if you will, but having men who are on fire about being men actively teaching you, um, whether it's just through osmosis or explicitly teaching you, what it then means to be a man and taking what's good and throwing away what's bad. And we don't get that in our culture at all. Yeah, we don't. And we we're also not ready for it as kids. And like our, our prefrontal cortex doesn't really develop until we're 25, 26 these days. Uh, adolescence seems to be getting extended more and more with each generation. But, you know, that prefrontal cortex is the thing that allows us to see ourselves as a, a you know, when it kind of comes to maturity, we begin to see ourselves as part of something bigger than ourselves. When we're kids, it's like, it's all about us. It's all about our friends. It's all about our wants and needs and, you know, immediate desires and that kind of stuff. As we get older, we have the maturity to say, oh, I actually play a part in the running of a company, or I play the part in um, this team that I'm on or in the military, whatever the case is, or in the family. And we begin to ask questions that we you know, we have space for, we have uh, the ability to understand things that we couldn't have understood as a kid. So even if we had the best dad, even if we had the best upbringing, they may have taught us all kinds of stuff that just didn't stick because we weren't ready for it. And so every man has to ask these questions. What does it mean to be a man? How do I live as a man? How do I live out my life uh, as, you know, as masculine as I can um, and, and as a man? And it, some things may look different than 
the way it was done by parents or grandparents. But, um, you know, there are timeless things that, that, that are always going to exist. Well, and I would almost even push back and say there's a whole lot of men. I think particularly in my generation, although the more I read and the more I learn, the more I understand that there is <laughs> every generation is very much like the next. But <laughs> yeah. um, like there's a lot of young guys right now who don't even understand that they do like they grow up, but they never actually have the maturity to look around and say, wow, I am part of something bigger. There's still like there takes a, at least a little bit of selflessness and humility yep. to see that. And if you never get a dose of that as a child in any way, shape, or form, then you spend your whole life thinking you're the center of the world. And it's going to take somebody along the way, and hopefully it's somebody who can do it gently and with kindness, but somebody along the way is going to have to look you in the eye and say, look, dude, like you're not the center of the world. Like you're not the only person this affects, you know, and, and say it in a way that's going to make you understand it. Yeah. And I think... There's a lot of men who just get to go through life like that and never they never understand why stuff doesn't click and they don't get their way and things don't turn out the way they want and they never really realize that they, you know, aren't the center of the universe. Yeah. And then there's a lot of men who just get broken um, when that realization comes and they just quit. Yep. And they never actually like learn from it. They just get broken, realize that everything they thought about themselves was false and just leave like they check out and they're done. Um, and neither of those things is good for them and their souls. Yep. And it's not good for society either. It just produces more lost men. You're exactly right. And, and we're, we're just awash in entitlement these days. It's the sense, I mean, we, we see it. Every TV show is preaching this. Everything that's trying to sell to us is teaching this. Parents a lot of times are teaching this, even unintentionally to their kids, that it's, you know, you're entitled to, you know, have a good life. You're entitled. Everything should be fair. You should be able to get what you want. Um, you can get through life without trying too hard. You're just entitled. And some of this is, if you think about it, I mean, we're kind of born into the, uh, from human standards, historically human standards, we're born into a pretty posh life, most of us. And um, it's, you know, even the people who are living in poverty, it's still incredibly, um, uh, you know, posh. I don't know, have a better word. It's, it's, it's so, so much better than it's ever been historically in you know, human existence. And so we're, we're raised in this society. And so it's, it's almost like you're trying to convince when some, when somebody's up against that, that entitlement mentality, you're really trying to convince them of something that they have been taught is true from nearly every, um, every waking moment of their life, you know, that it's, that it's okay for it all to be about them. And that's a difficult thing these days, unless they're confronted with reality, you know, which everybody should be at some point in their life, confronted with the reality that like entitlement, yeah, it sounds good, uh, you know, but it's not, that is not something that is ever going to practically work in your life. And especially as a man, we've got to, um, you know, we got to grow up and, and realize that the sooner we realize that, the, the sooner we can get on the right track. So I, this is not a question. This is just a question that popped into okay. my mind right now. And, and I don't know if you've got an answer to this, but um, you hear a lot of, you hear the secular world talking quite a bit about gender and about masculinity. And I mean, you got the whole, you've got a whole sector of men um, who are talking about it and trying to reclaim it um, outside of God. Yeah. Is there, is there true genuine masculinity without Jesus? Well, it's, it's a good question. So I think you gotta, if you gotta back up and you gotta say, and I talk about this actually in the book a little bit, if you, if you're asking whether a man can be a good father, a good husband, can he be good in some kind of sense of, of what good means? Sure. Uh, you know, there, I know atheists that are incredible at, they, they love to give. They, they're the guy that gives you, give you his shirt off his back. Uh, he loves his family. He, you know, he's the, he's a great father. Um, and I don't know how that fits with a kind of an atheist theology or if you, whatever you want to call that belief system, but you know, you can be good in that kind of sense. I think that the challenge is, um, when you really begin to ask the questions, well, why, what is good? Who decides what that is? What does it mean to be masculine? What does it mean to be a man? Who defines that? How do I overcome some of these hurts in my life and the wounds in my life. Um, you know, what, what is, are we really here for a purpose or am I just kind of playing with that idea? So I feel better about myself when, a, and not everybody's going to ask those questions, 
But for the guys that do, I think ultimately they're going to be led to Christ. I think they're ultimately going to be led probably to the idea of religion, you know, and maybe a concept of God first. But then ultimately, I think they're going to be led to, to, to the cross. And I think they're going to really begin to ask those questions. Well, was Jesus real? Uh, is it possible that he was the son of God? Those kinds of things. And I think that really begins to set a foundation uh, for us as okay, we actually are created for a purpose. We're actually here for a reason. This isn't just an accident and I'm just going to live my life the best I can and, and you know, make the most out of it. No, actually, I, I'm an eternal being that has, that's going to live and dwell with other eternal beings. And, uh, and you know, the battles that we fight, the, the, the things that we face, they're not just fought on this plane, those kinds of things. I think it, it, uh, it's extremely important I think you can have a nice society of people without Jesus, but I don't think that it really makes a lot of sense if you begin to dig into it. And I, and I, you know, I don't know if that really answers the question, but that's, that's kind of where a lot of guys are at. They're kind of like, well, you know, people, guys will come to Wolf and Iron, for example, and they're pagans of some kind and like legitimate pagans, like they worship the old Norse gods and stuff. And they're almost offended sometimes when we talk about Christianity and, uh, you know, they're like, hey, look, I just showed up to be a good man. I just want to know what it means to be a better father and husband and those kinds of things. And it's like they 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 almost purposefully want to put limits on what they consider good um, so they can avoid the, 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 the ideas and the thoughts of Christianity. And uh, and obviously that's not healthy because why would you avoid something if it was possibly true? Why wouldn't you dig into that to, you know, give it more... Uh, you know, inspected a little bit more to see if it was real. And if it was real, man, it would change everything, wouldn't it? And I think that's that's kind of where I talk to guys about this kind of stuff. Yeah, I, I like that. That's that's insightful. Um, I think it also like when you when you when you're defining masculinity as Christians um, and actually across all all kinds of different world religions, um, you see the concept of a specific design by a creator yeah. too. Right. Um, and whether it's that each individual is specifically designed as we believe as Christians, or whether it's more like, I mean, you see it in like native American spirituality, you see it in like the Tao and different, you know, where you have a design kind of like for the template of, you know, of man and woman and, and such things. Um, but like, I don't, I don't know where you get like a, a I don't know where you maybe draw upon the story of manhood, if you will, without at least some sort of religion, you know, like at least the, the, the Norse, you know, mythology and things like that. They actually, there's at least an origin story, <laughs> sure. you know, yeah. I don't even know where you would go. Like, I don't, where do you, how can you claim to be a man? If you haven't, if, if a man isn't something, and maybe that's where the, the gender, uh, I don't know. I guess we're not supposed to use dysphoria anymore. I don't know what, but yeah, no, um, I mean, it is, I mean, that's, the, that's, I mean, it is a, um, it's a denying of gender. I, you know, I think we will get to a place 50 years from now, a hundred years from now, I don't know when, but we will get to a point where we've mastered the genome and genetics. We were, we're, we're biologically capable. You could walk into a machine maybe, and you walk at, walk in one section, you walk out the other side and you're a different sex. And it's, you know, it sounds sci-fi right now, but it's, you know, and when you walk out, you're indistinguishable from someone who were born that sex. I think we'll eventually get to something like that, whether whatever the process looks like. We're not there yet. And so right now we're having conversations about, oh, uh, I'm going to become a man or I'm going to become a woman. Well, we can't physically do that. You can't really change from one sex to the other. So it is a kind of dysphoria to pretend that you're something that you're really not. And, that, you know, and that's, you know, you say, well, we're not allowed to talk about that. We're not allowed to say that. Well, that's just the truth of it. I mean, we like practically the most um, LGBTQ friendly or the most uh, just experimental scientist or doctor or whatever, they just can't do it. You know, it just, it's not possible yet. And so I think we need to put things in clear terms and understand what, you know, there are limitations on what we can do. And so when we talk about things like, well, could you define manhood without uh, a sort of a religious basis for that, I think you could define some masculinity, but I think ultimately 
all logic and meaning and reason begins to break down when you don't have a, a foundation of truth. If nothing is really true, because everything is just a big accident, and here we are, and who knows what's going to happen next, you know, that, that begins to break down purpose, meaning in life. You know, everything is everything we do is just kind of made up at that point. You know, if I say, well, I feel called to be a man who speaks to men about men, manhood. Well, what does that really mean? No, it really what it means is in a world without purpose, it just means that I'm some kind of creature that has impulses that lead me to feel a certain way. But it's not really purpose in the way that we think about it. And so it's not almost not true. And if that's not true, then, well, maybe manhood's not true. Maybe masculinity is not true. And this is this this kind of works to the benefit of the progressives until you begin to really dig into it. And you're like, well, if that's not true, then maybe the love for my children is not true. It's just an impulse. Maybe nothing's true, you know, and uh, and that's where it begins to break down. So I but kind of to wrap this up, I guess most people are not going to ask that deep of a question. They're going to get to a place where um, they feel comfortable and they're going to stop, you know, and they're going to they're going to use this sort of um, nothing is true or I have my truth or whatever. They're going to use that to their advantage, but they're going to ignore that when it, um, when it starts to feel uncomfortable and, it, and everything begins to unravel. Yeah. And I think that does tie in really nicely what, with what you said early on is, um, again, it's, it's this, well, it's my truth. It's my understanding. It's my life. It's my world. It's, you know, and, and when you don't have that, um, when you don't have, you know, the, the idea of a design, I guess those were my words, <laughs> but if you don't have the idea of a design, um, then you can just make those decisions for yourself. You're making me think about a, uh, one of my favorite mentors, um, to, to really put a bow on this talked about the idea that if I don't have the idea of a, if I don't have a, a creator who specifically designed me for something, then when I don't feel like a man, like if I feel more like a woman, than a man, what I'm doing is I'm looking at the standards of the world and saying, well, the the characteristics and traits and qualities that I have seem more, you know, feminine and masculine or whatever mm -hmm. compared to the world. And instead of understanding and looking at it and saying, wow, what a wonderful blessing yeah. that I'm a man who is sensitive and compassionate and caring and far more so than most of my peers. What a gift from God. I'm going to go use that for good in the world and vice versa as a woman. I'm a spirited, yeah. competitive, you know, spit spitfire of a woman what a blessing i can do so much good for the world you say no i'm i think i'm a dude actually so it's just kind of a yeah it's an interesting i yeah i didn't think that i yeah i didn't know where that question was going to go it just popped into my mind I well, thought you probably that's right the things that, those are the things that we're, we're kind of wrestling with these days and and it's the discussions we're not having because you know you can't really you can't have this discussion over twitter <laughs> so people aren't having it unless it's on something like this so. right right it's hard to have That's any right. discourse on Twitter. <laughs> right. All right, let's talk about your book. Um, what's it called? And uh, so I guess it's been quite a process. So what what uh, what made now the time to, to finish it off? Yeah, and, the book is called the Tending world. the Fire, uh, Ignite Your Heart and Live Life as a Man. And as I said earlier, I began writing this book about six years ago. And um, the initially it was kind of like this kind of along with the blog and then just the launch of Wolf and Iron. I, there were things that I wanted to say, but I needed to say it in kind of a bigger voice and, a, and more of a, um, you know, more of a, a concentrated focus on uh, certain topics about being a man. But there was, you know, we started some businesses. I wrote another book. A lot of things happened between that period of time. And, uh, and, and there were also areas where I just, um, I kind of wanted to develop my own authority uh, in, in this world of masculinity, like I had principles that I had sort of said, okay, I want men to be courageous. I want men need to, you know, be deliberate about their life. Um, men need to be live virtuously, truthfully, spiritually, those kinds of things. But I thought like, you know, I, I'm, I'm still kind of early in my, my journey with this. And do I really have the authority to talk about these things? Um, and to say what I think I would want to say what I, you know, and so that was kind of always present, that sort of, you know, I'm not really done saying this, or I really don't have this as clearly as I'd want to, to define this. And I'm sure in 10 more years, I'll have other thoughts on it, which is why we have, you know, the, the Wolf and Iron Project and all that kind of stuff. But um, really what happened was I, I said, look, I'm, I'm at a place in my life where my, my sons have graduated. They're adults now. I've, you've, I've used the principles that I outlined in the book. And, uh, and, and sure enough, they work. 
to help men through difficult seasons in life. And I think this stuff that, that men need to hear. And I, I just basically said, look, I need to finish this up. And so I had had maybe three quarters of the book written to some, some degree, but there's a lot more that goes into writing a book than just the writing of the book. And so a lot of the editing and stuff like that got done in the last few months. But um, yeah, I just said, this is the time. Um, and like I said earlier, things have progressed so quickly in the last six years since I began this book progressed as in uh, the progressive culture has really moved very, very quickly to, to really try and redefine what it means to be male or female, much less what it means to be a man. And so I was like, this thing needs to get out here. Um, guides need more resources to read. Um, and this is, I think it's, it's, it's the right time for it. And uh, it's been well received so far. Yeah, I, I don't want to give away any of your book, obviously. I want people to actually go read it. But what, what would you say is the message um, you're, you're getting across here with, so with uh, tending So the concept fire? here is that every man has a fire to be tended. Uh, you call that your heart, soul, spirit, passion, zeal for life, your vim, your vigor, whatever you want to call that. And it's, it's, a, it's a fire that kind of burns low these days because we're mostly unchallenged in life. Uh, we... we um, Fear keeps us from moving towards challenges in a lot of ways. And so um, so we're missing out on tending that fire. And, and a lot of guys have never even been told, hey, your heart is something to be tended. Uh, you've got to put the right fuel onto that fire if you want to, um, you know, if you want to do well, if you want to feel like a man, if you want to feel like you have purpose and, and mission and passion and those kinds of things. And and so we kind of talk about that in the book. There's a, The analogy is basically... Um, uh, imagine you're in a forest in front of you is a fire which burns this is your spirit um, and then behind you or around you is a is a cave and um, you prefer a lot of guys basically prefer not to go too deep into the cave to find the the kind of fuel that they would need for their fire and the cave kind of represents the the unknown areas of our or of ourselves the unexplored areas of our own soul passion the, the un, unanswered questions um, unaddressed hurts, uh, all kinds of things that basically once we conquer, once we kind of move in deeper, we discover, you know, the courage and bravery and um, uh, fortitude and all kinds of things about ourselves we didn't know that was there. But we've got to move into that cave to basically find the things that we can put on the fire that are really going to feed it. And that's, you know, obviously that's spelled out more in the book and that's just sort of the opening there. But that theme carries on throughout the throughout the book. And as we as I began talking about things like Here's the problems that are happening in society. I contrast that with what would happen if a man showed up in this area? What would happen if a man showed up in more in our schools uh, or maybe in homeschooling? What would happen if men showed up um, more in politics? I mean, like actual true men. What would happen if men showed up in these different areas in life? How would that change society? And uh, so we kind of go through some of those things. And then I go into the different principles um, uh, of living life as a man and kind of break those down as well. And so uh, each one of those, you know, the, the, the tending the fire and the cave and all that kind of stuff is tied in there as well. I like the, I love that question yeah. of what if a man showed up here? Like what if a man, like not just showed up physically, but really like showed up and engaged right here. Uh, makes me think about, I don't remember which book this was in because I've read so many stinking books on manhood at this point. <laughs> There's a lot of them and about half of them. You just, close them yeah. up when you're done and put them on the shelf and <laughs> try not to think about them again. But um, I don't remember which book this was. It might've been a Stephen Mansfield book where he talked about the idea of, uh, so there's a, it's a story about a, a Texas Ranger and th there's some small town out in West Texas where they're having riots and problems and uh, they call for the Rangers and one Ranger shows up and the people of the town go, you know, like, <laughs> they only sent one Ranger. How can we deal with this with only one Ranger? And he looks at them and said, you only have one riot, right? And they said, well, yeah. He says, well, one riot, one ranger. And yeah. then he goes about his business and, and ends the riot. And I, I love that picture of, of masculinity and manhood, this idea that if one would show up, first of all, there's going to be other men yep. who are encouraged by it who start to show up too. And, and second, man, one, one man who knows who he is and what he's doing and is purposeful in his work can do a, like only God can limit what he does then with, with what's going on. So cool stuff. I think you're a great example of that. I mean, you look at what from the time I, I can, I don't, I obviously I didn't know you at the time. <laughs> I wasn't like in your house watching you do your thing, but the way you talk about 
being yeah. well, you said you're in yeah. computer yeah, programming or tech yeah. support or something software development so going from somebody that pretty much just just does software de- development sure. and you know and, and is tending your fire or maybe maybe even not tending your fire because that's how i got into this was i wasn't wasn't doing what i wanted to do wasn't the man i wanted to be and said i better do something about this um but you go from there like can you could you have imagined at the time that that would result in what you yeah. have now done? No, it, it, you yeah, know? absolutely. Like, I wouldn't have imagined this particular blessing. path. Uh, but and this sounds boastful. It, I look back on it; it's a little bit cringy for me to say this. I, I remember I was working at a bank, and um, I'd been there for maybe three, four years, uh, maybe maybe longer than that actually. Um, and I, I got a, you know did a review with one of my bosses, and my boss said, "Mike, where do you see yourself in ten years?" And he's kind of you know the typical kind of manager thing. And I guess he's thinking, well, I'm, I'm going to be a VP of the bank or I'm going to, you know, be, I said, I said, I want to be a millionaire. Uh, I'll probably be owning my own company and, uh, and I won't be working here. You know, that's what I said. That's what I told him. And, uh, you know, uh, I mean, I'm not a millionaire. The, the business, you know, does, we do multi-millions in, you know, every year, but the, uh, but the, you know, the idea was, I, I, there was a sense in which I was like, this is not the path for me. You know, this is, this is paying the bills and there are certain things I like about it, but this is not tending my fire. I mean, like I'm, I, I feel good because I'm able to provide for my family, but this is crushing me every day. I got to come in and sit in a cube. Now, of course I didn't say all that to him. I don't even think if I, I don't even know if I would have had the words for that, but I did have at least an understanding of like, I want to do something awesome. And, and as I kind of went through life, I began to kind of look for awesome. And I was like, well, what would that be? What if I took these these rings and what if I were able to make that into a business? I didn't know that 100% it was going to work, but it it seemed cool. And I was like, I, let's try cool. Let's do that. Let's go with that. And um, and obviously there's a lot more that goes into it, but I think at some point you've got to be honest with yourself and just say, you know, either I'm, I, I love what I'm doing and I'm happy where I'm at and this is fulfilling me or I'm not. Well, what is the what does the next thing look like? Does it just look like a different job doing the same kind of stuff but for more pay, or does it look like something pretty radical? And if it's something pretty radical, at some point you got to put that out there and say, "I'm going to be this. I'm going to do that. This is where I'm headed." And people might look at you and go, "No, no, that's not possible. Uh, you know, you're not you're not going to make a business crafting wedding rings from your garage, Mike. You know, whatever. You know, you're going to make circles in your garage and you're going to sell those. And <laughs> you know, yeah, that's what we're going to do." you know, whatever it happens to be, you, at some point you've got to put that out there. You've got to stake your claim and say, this is where I'm headed. Uh, believe it or not, I'm going to get there. And I think, you know, it takes some boldness to do that, but I, I don't think that's, um, I think if you look at the story of most successful entrepreneurs, they have moments like that where they're like, uh, I, I'm, I'm making a statement that I'm going to achieve something which doesn't make any sense given where I come from or where I am today, but somehow I'm going to get there. And you just don't take your eye off of it. You just keep moving forward. Yeah, actually, it gives me a ton of comfort to hear you say that, um, because like I, before before I left teaching, like I was doing something that I loved. I was doing ministry, like I was serving Jesus, and I was really good at it, and I loved it. And so, no matter what step you take, if you're taking a step away from that, it's foolishness to the world, yeah. right? And uh, I can't say it any other way, but I was talking to Jesus, and not that the, like the, the heavens opened and I was struck <laughs> by lightning and I heard the voice of the Lord or something. But I guess walking around the neighborhood saying my prayers one morning, and uh, I can't say it any other way, but I, I, Jesus whispered to my heart, it's time, let's go. And the next day, like, I went home and started making changes yeah. because I, I, I was dying inside, even doing something I loved and was good at and was, uh, and have, and believe in and encourage other people to do. And I still was dying inside just because it, it wasn't what I was made to yep. do. Um, and so, Moving on from that and going out and doing exactly what the Lord had laid on my heart to do has made all the difference for me, and uh, I can't stop telling other people to do the same. Yep. So yeah, once you make that change, that's one of the most things that that guys get passionate about. Is I made a change in my life. I went a different direction. It actually worked out uh, against the odds or what I thought were the odds. And my gosh, don't stay where you are. Make a change. Now some people are perfectly happy where they are, and that's fine. Be honest with yourself. The thing is, don't just feel that like, you know, I, I dread going into work or I dread what I do or, I, you know, it doesn't matter if logically it makes sense or not. You may have gone to college for it. You may generally enjoy what you do, but if it's not fulfilling you, 
find the thing that is and, you know, and, and move towards it. Uh, you know, th- there's nothing wrong with that. It's, 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 that's the wise thing to do. This might, uh, the answer to this question, last question right. for you, the answer to this question might just be a, a rehash of what you just said. Um, but the, the audience for this particular podcast is young men, like college aged, um, around that age, um, young men. And, and we get a lot of, because I am who I am, I get a lot of listeners who are training for ministry, especially young men training for the pastorate or considering it or just absolutely on fire for Jesus. Yeah. So um, what if you could give just like one piece of advice, one piece of wisdom um, to those dudes, young men who love Jesus, who are just starting their adult lives, what would that piece of advice be? Uh, I've got lots of advice for you guys, but I'll, I'll give some advice first for, for the guys that are you know pursuing pastoral ministry. Um, don't trade in. Uh, the wrench turning for the page turning. And what I mean is don't become soft. Don't be the guy that's got the sweet manners and the good looking family. And, um, you know, that's fine. Have manners and, you know, have a good looking family, but don't just have that. I mean, there's, I know so many pastors who are, uh, they're wonderful, very patient guys. At the same time, they couldn't change the oil in their car. They couldn't split a log. They're not the kind of men that men are drawn to. And and they set the tone for so much of the other men in the church. And uh, and and guys, listen, you know, Jesus was a rough and tumble fella. He hung out with rough and tumble guys, fishermen, and so on. Get to know that Christ and try to emulate that. Don't worry about what you've been taught in terms of how you're supposed to preach, how you're supposed to present yourself, um, the you know, the way church should go, all that kind of stuff. Uh, if if you are a man uh, and you want to be among men, you're going to be setting the tone for that. And you're going to do that a lot through um, just how you carry yourself. And so don't, like I said, don't change, don't trade in the page turning for the wrench turning, do a little bit of both and become a well-rounded man. I think for the, for the young men in general, uh, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of opportunities that exist these days that didn't exist in terms of like careers. And there's a lot of, uh, probably wrong expectations about how quickly you should become like successful and what success looks like. You know, you could be a YouTube star or, or a Twitch star. You could, you know, stream, or you could do whatever. There's opportunities for that. Sure. Um, but you need to understand, get the foundations first. You know, we, there's a, uh, there's something called the hierarchy of needs. Uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs starts out with basic stuff like food, shelter, uh, community, um, you know, basically things that you would have to do in order to get to a place where you could pursue some higher aspirations. A lot of guys are graduating college or getting out in life, and they're already in this sort of notion that like, I've got to pursue those higher aspirations, and they don't have the foundations. They, they really don't have a foundation of what it means to be a provider or to have shelter that they somehow manage or take care of. They don't know what it's like to, uh, you know, hunt or even fish or, or provide for themselves physically, you know, um, those kinds of things are, they're sort of soft. We kind of, if we think about it as a pyramid, they're just sort of soft levels that exist, but you really don't have a foundation in, you know, go back to those very basic things, food, shelter, survival type stuff, uh, you know, construction and, and, and whatever it is, and really kind of get a strong foundation of the basics that every human needs, every man needs, so that when you get to a place 10 years from now, 15 years from now, you can actually begin to ask the question, you know, what is it that I really want to pursue? What's my highest good that I can achieve um, for God here in this world? And, uh, and you're going to be a much, you're going to feel much better about pursuing that when you have those foundations. I love it. Thank you very much for your time. Uh, it's always a blessing to talk to you. Um, where can we find you online? I'd say head over to wolfandiron.com. I know we talked about a lot of things, but I'm I'm active there. You can reach out to me there. It's going to kind of fit more with the, the conversation here. But you'll also be able to find out about Rustic in Maine and some of the other things I've got going on. So wolfandiron.com and uh, reach out. Reach out and say, hey. I love it. And where can we find your book? Uh, Amazon's a great place right now. Um, usually when a, when a book first comes out, we try to direct people to Amazon just to kind of get reviews and stuff. If you go to Amazon, you look up tending the fire. Um, you'll find it out there. It's the one that has the cool cover looks masculine. You'll, you'll know which one it is. <laughs> awesome. Appreciate your time, man. Um, glad to have you on. Always a blessing. Like I said, gentlemen, go be the men that God created you to be. We'll see you next time.
On behalf of all those involved in producing, recording, and publishing this episode, thank you for listening to the Gird Up Podcast. We hope it helps you along your journey to be a man after God's own heart. Be sure to check out the Gird Up channel on YouTube. There you will find many podcast episodes just like this one, but you will also find exclusive video content geared at helping you be the man that God created you to be by introducing you to other godly men, teaching you how to behave, study, dress, act, eat, and live like a man of God, and you'll find devotions to help you grow in faith. Please consider supporting Gird Up Ministries by donating on Patreon, shopping in the online store at girdupministries.com, or by making a $5 cup of coffee donation at girdupministries.com. Those donations help us make more great content just like this for young men just like you. Make sure that you like, follow, friend, and subscribe to Gird Up and our guests on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Those links are in the description. And as always, we'll be praying for you on your journey. Blessings, men. Time to gird up and go be the man that God created you to be.